This is Marriage is Our Ministry's Candid Conversations, where topics surrounding marriage and family are discussed with a very open and honest dialogue. So sit back, relax, and let's talk. Here are your hosts, Oliver and Denise Marcel. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Candid Conversations. This is the podcast where we talk everything marriage and relationships. We have candid conversations, and we want to encourage you to have candid conversations with your spouse as well. I have my lovely co-host, if you will, my bride with me. Hi, everybody. How you doing? I'm great. Excellent, excellent. I love having you by my side. Well, actually, you're across from me right now, but I, I appreciate that you are across from me. What a lovely sight. <laughs> Listen, if you have not been able to catch the other episodes, we want to make sure that you are uh, engaged with the material that uh, we have presented. So please take the time to listen to the other episodes. Great conversations, good information. Uh, we're candid and open about our uh, situation and about things that we are going through and the growth that's taking place, and we're being candid about those things. This episode is no different. We have a great person with us uh, to share and give us some great information. We have Dr. Terry Parks with us. So glad to have you, Dr. Parks, glad with to us be on here. this uh, episode. and. We're going to uh, allow you to tell us a little bit about yourself in just a moment. Uh, but first, Nisi, if you would pray for us. Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity um, to come before you and your people. We just pray that you uh, will use us as vessels through which you will speak. We pray that everything that is spoken, everything that is said, will spark um, conversation, will spark insight and ideas and encouragement in the couples that are listening, even if it's one person. And we thank you once again for using us. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. You're welcome to every listener that is listening. And we just pray that your will will be done. And we thank you and bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's get into it. This is going to be an engaging conversation. It's going to be enlightening for us. Uh, we're going to learn some things as well. And we hope that those of you who are listening will also be able to learn some things and glean some information that will be beneficial to you. Doc, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Listen, let's um, let's jump right in. Um, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. Again, my name is Dr. Terry Parks. I um, have a doctorate in counseling psychology. Uh, I run a state-certified program for domestic violence, anger management, alcohol and drug parenting, uh, and we do uh, some other uh, things as well. Um, the folks that come to me have been mandated by the courts uh, to attend uh, a certain amount of groups that uh, the law states that they should attend. And I have worked in various uh, mental health facilities, prisons, juvenile detention facilities. I've been in mental health for... <laughs> Seems like forever, but uh, I've been in mental health for 20-something years, so I'm just excited to be here tonight on this call uh, with you all to see if we can um, help some folks that may need it. Excellent, excellent. When we, uh, you know, just thinking about therapy, coming from uh, coming from our point of view, there 
there seems to be a stigma attached to that. Maybe you want to speak about that? Yeah, I think the stigma uh, comes from uh, some people thinking that if if therapy is suggested to you or, um, you know, if someone says that you need therapy, I think a lot of people think that, you know, is there something wrong with me? Why do I need therapy? There's got to be something wrong with me. Why don't I think like everyone else? Why do I have to have therapy? You know, it's almost as if they think that their brain is broken or doesn't function properly, sadly. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the way the world portrays therapy through what we see on the TV, what we watch the movies. You know, it's always, not always, but a lot of time is portrayed in a negative light. And I think that that has a lot to do with why there's such a stigma attached to it. And also, you know, I think that men may have a, um, don't necessarily want to go to therapy because they think it may hurt their manhood or their ego. And so that has, you know, maybe some negative. I don't know statistically if that's correct or not, but that's what I tend to see. Okay. Um, Doc, what, what do you see as it relates to that? How, um, kind of school us on, on that. If, if there's a disparity between the two sexes, when it comes to accepting counseling, um, what you guys have said, uh, what Denise has said, um, is actually, you know, pretty accurate, uh, for, uh, a period of time, uh, in the early beginning, psychology had a negative connotation. Uh, and so folks did not want to go, especially, um, African-American folks. They didn't want to attend. It was for, uh, nobody had problems. You know, if you did, it was easily fixed. Big mama know how to fix it. You know, uh, go ahead and get this belt down. Let me get my switch. Let me get my, you know, whatever. This is going to help thing. You know, this is going to cure what ails you. And so, um, for the longest time, you know, we did not, um, go to therapy. And so now what I find in my line of work, uh, what I do is more men come, uh, to, uh, see me or they want to come see me uh, in therapy when they're done with their classes, they would like to come and see me with their partners because they say that, you know, man, I really like what you're talking about, but she needs to hear this as well. Of course, I always say, you know, well, you're the best person to tell her that once you get home, you know, through your behavior. And, um, a lot of times I will see uh, clients once they have uh, completed the, the courses and, um, yeah, there is a, there is a stigma though. If you're not in my class, um, going to see a therapist, you're right. Denise, people think that, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. You're the one who has the problem. So you need to go see a therapist. So again, it's not marriage therapy. If one person is going, that's individual therapy. And wow. again, you know, therapy only works if you want it to. So if you don't want it to work, then it's not going to work. If you have the, you know, defeatist attitude before you go, you'll get nothing out of it. Uh, so that's yeah. interesting. Um, what you said, just, just said about marriage, marriage therapy mm-hmm. and coming in without your spouse, because sometimes you feel like, well, all right, I'm going to go and talk to somebody and hopefully what I get out of it, I can, you know, just kind of win them over, so to speak, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But you're saying that 
Uh, we both need to be that. If you're married, a marriage is with two people, right? So then therefore, how can you go into therapy, marriage therapy with one person? That's good. That's you, good. You follow, you follow what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, okay, so I'm going and get help. Now, if you want to go and get help for yourself, then that's fine. That's individual therapy. But if it's family, if it's marriage, if it's marriage, you're going to bring your partner in. If it's family, you're going to bring the kids in. Now, there are certain times where, you know, uh, the the kids may, you know, may not need to be in the room, but the therapist is working on the whole family. You know, as mentioned earlier, you know, our, our responsibility is to, you know, um, comfort the uncomfortable and make the comfortable uncomfortable. Get people out of their uh, comfort zone. Listen, for, for those of you who are listening, you're going to want to listen to this replay. And you're going to want to tweet that statement. Babe, can you repeat that? Because I know you wrote it down. I did. Uh, Dr. Park said that therapists make, we comfort the uncomfortable and make the comfortable uncomfortable. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a tweetable statement right mm -hmm. there. Let me ask you this in, in lieu of what you just said. So, and, and that makes perfect sense, obviously. If you're in a marriage, you're going to want both people to to be in that space. Um, if you're, if you're a spouse and you're in a situation and you feel that counseling is the answer, what happens in the scenario where you cannot convince, for lack of a better word, your spouse to be a part of it? Well, in, in instances, in instances like that, what you what you have to expect is, okay, first of all, what do you want to get out of therapy? Why are we going? Why are we going to therapy? And once you figure that out, that means that there's, there's an issue. We have a problem. And so we need a third party. Now, when I say a third party, I'm really talking about someone who is skilled in the area. Not talking about family members. I'm not talking about neighbors. I'm not talking about coworkers. Because you really really want to keep other folks out of your personal business mm -hmm. because if they're not trained in the area, they could really provide a lot of bad advice. So you want to be careful of that. Um, but trying to get someone else to, to go to therapy, if that person is in a committed relationship and they are committed to the relationship and trying to make it work, then they will go to therapy. But the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, you know, that, that applies here. Yeah, well, okay, I'll go if it'll shut you up. And so you go, well, I'm not going to say anything. So then it becomes, you know, uh, counterproductive. But again, if someone is really invested, what you find is, is folks who are really invested in making a relationship work, they will seek counsel. They will try to get all the help they can. But those who are not, then they won't go. So how do you get someone to go? To me, if that person doesn't go, what you have to look at is, gee, is this relationship, you know, best served with me in it or out of it? Now, I never counsel people to divorce. I don't tell them to leave and I don't tell them to stay. Even in the domestic violence situation, that's a decision that person has to make themselves. So 
if that person, again, is committed to that relationship, they will go. You can't make anybody do anything they don't want to do. That's, that's, that's a good point. Go you ahead. can't anybody do anything that you don't want them to do. But what you can do is you can create an environment that will suggest that, you know what, I think we need to go. I think we need to go to, I think we need, we, we may need to speak to somebody about this. You know what I'm going to ask next. <laughs> and, and maybe we can, maybe we can, you know, if you want to kind of jot that down for later, we can maybe add that in when we get to the tips, but just be thinking about this. How do you create that environment? How does one create that environment? But before we get to that, um, that kind of segues into something, something else I want, want you to uh, speak on. That's a great point. You have to, if you made a commitment, you're going to do what, what it takes. And we talked about that earlier. And for those of you who are listening, that is, that is something that you have to use as, as a measuring stick. How committed are you? How committed are you to the vows that you've made? Are you serious about the vows that you made and about the commitment to be a team uh, with your spouse? So that's great. Good stuff. Let's say we've gotten to that point. We have decided, hey, we're committed. We're going to team up. We're going to make this thing work. We need to get somebody in our life. Mm -hmm. All right. Talk to us about what we are to, uh, to expect when coming into a, a counseling situation. Well, what you expect, um, most people expect to be healed when they come, you know, out of therapy. And a lot of times therapy has an adverse effect because, again, people are not willing to, um, you know, a, a therapist that, that kind of, you know, sides with you and, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, that that type of thing, in, in my um, experience, doesn't help anybody at all. So, you know, that that placating that that doesn't work. You know, a therapist that is going to be, you know, out front, tell you exactly what the issues are and um, and, and present them, then that's a, a more better therapist. Like somebody may say, well, you know, Dr. Phil, you know, he just really, you know, gets on to the people and yells at them and, does, you know, that works for a lot of people. Some people don't need that. Some people don't want that. So, you know, if if that's not what you want, then you would not go see Dr. Phil. You know, you kind of want to balance in between. You want a therapist that, you know, you're going to do your research, look them up and see what their uh, areas of expertise are. When you find a therapist that you feel is going to work for you both, then you call and you set that appointment up and you go see them. Once you get in there, what you can expect is a therapist to ask you, okay, number one, you know, what brings you in? What What's the problem that we're, uh, you know, you're, you guys are having? Um, and then after that, they'll ask you something like, okay, what are your goals? What do you plan to gain from, you know, coming to therapy? And, um, after that, most of the questions will come from, um, where you guys, you know, basically start talking. So tell me what's going on in your relationship. And then every question after that is going to come from, uh, you know, uh, based on, um, what you guys are saying in therapy. And so, you know, there's no really set format, but yeah, what brings you in and what are your goals? And then there'll be also um, uh, a therapist will outline, you know, what uh, their expectations are uh, of you as a client. 
And uh, there may be some, you know, rules and, and, and set down some guidelines about how it will go. You know, there won't be any yelling or cursing or throwing things and stuff like that. So, you know, yeah, that does happen. Um, but, you know, those are some of the things that you can, you know, expect um, from therapy. And, and see, and, and the reason why I ask that is because what what we mentioned earlier just about the stigma and how, you know, therapy is portrayed to us via the media and different different outlets in a certain light. So, you know, kind of expecting this couch, lay down on the couch and man or woman with the notepad and, you know, and so that's good to kind of paint the realistic picture of, of what to expect when you go to counseling and that it's going to be interactive and it's going to be based on, you know, the things that you communicate. Now, speaking of communication, I have another question for you. And then, babe, I'm going to ask you something as well. Um, but I have another question for you, Doc. And as it relates to communication, since I said that word, we talk about all these umbrella areas in, in our seminar that are important to the success of a relationship and a marriage, communication being one of them and conflict resolution and, and those types of things. Um, and just in your experience, what would you say is maybe, I don't know if there is one key area, but if there is a key area that you see or a common thread that you may see in, in, in most of the, uh, the couples that you deal with. A common thread. Re- um, for- just as it relates to um, what the underlying issue might be. Oh, for uh, problems in relationships? Yeah. Well, in 20, <laughs> 2015, it's, it's mostly infidelity. Okay. Um, I think that um, a lot of my clients, uh, I get, uh, there's, um, you know, guy has, has been, you know, cheating and, um, you know, uh, his partner has gone through his phone while he was asleep, you know, or there's some pictures that come through or he's not where he's supposed to be, you know, at a certain time, you know, there are also financial, um, issues. Um, there are, uh, you know, family involvement, uh, in in the business, you're telling my family everything, you know, why are you communicating with them on what's going on in our household, you know, uh, but the, the, the weird thing is, is that I found out is that um, a lot of what the issue is, is um, woman's independence. Hmm. And so I um, <clears throat> had to do a little ad hoc survey. And I asked women, you know, I talked to women, I said, do you feel that women's independence is what ruined the black family? And they would agree. Now, these are women who are in their, you know, 50s, 40s, and they have their own, you know, some have their own businesses, some, um, you know, they're, they're career women in the whole nine. And what you find a lot of in 2015 is women and independence. Now, let me break that down because I don't want the listeners to think that I'm some male chauvinist. Back when, um, back in the day where uh, women were treated as property, 
Okay. When we're treated as property, and when I say it, I'm talking about um, I'm talking about uh, Caucasian women, because you know African American, we were property. So, you know, there was no ifs ands, but but they were treated like property, and what happened was they were trying to get free of the uh, uh, being under the the white man's rule, and so. Women were treated as property. Have you ever heard the, uh, the the saying, you know, this is the rule of thumb? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that comes from a law, which was you could beat your wife, but you couldn't beat her with a stick that was wider than your thumb. Wow. So this is the rule of thumb. That's where that comes from. And so women wanted to get free of that power and control of their husband. Now, African-American women didn't have that problem because they were already being, they were already owned. Mm -hmm. And what happened was when slaves started to get free, they rode on the coattails of white women, rode on the coattails of the abolitionist movement Mm -hmm. and started what? The suffrage movement. There's actually a movie coming out about it. I'm dying to see it called Suffragette. But they, you know, Susan B. Anthony and her gang, they wanted to get free. And so they rolled on the coattails of that's why there are so many women, you know, uh, white women who have helped out in the abolition of of, uh, slavery because they were trying to get free as well. And so what happens is you start moving forward and what you see is women want to be um they want to be treated fairly. They want to be included. They want the same, you know, um, uh, same pay for same, you know, uh, work. And it starts to, you know, women start to now come into the workforce. And so they become secretaries because that's all you can do. That's all we're going to allow you to do. And so what happens is as women start to gain more and more prominence in the workforce, what happens is men begin to forget their roles. Mm-hmm. Women begin to forget their roles because I'm so busy trying to be professional that I forgot what I'm supposed to do here. And so what happens is you You're move meaning at home at home. Okay. And so you move up to, um, you move up to yeah seventies or whatever. You have Gloria Steinem and we're burning bras and and the whole nine. Now, black women didn't have this problem. That was primarily white women trying to be free of because a black man didn't have a job to promote you. He didn't have a job to give you a raise. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So that wasn't their problem. We were, we were never in the position. So as women gained and were allowed to come into the workplace, and I say allowed because at one time they weren't, as they, as they started to become more and more powerful, what happened was that independence, they traded their independence for their role. Now, some of it happened through the war. You know, Rosie Riveter, hey, you got to come in here. You know, all the men are at war. Women got to get in here. We got to help out. So we got to help build, you know, tanks and build things for, you know, to keep these companies rolling. And so when men came back from war, a lot of women were like, you know, well, hey, I kind of like this. I don't have to ask you for anything. 
I held it down while you were gone. Bought shoes, dresses, and everything. Some women were like, no, I don't like this. You can take it back over. You know, you're the priest, you're the man. And what happens is women trade in. This is what I see. Guys come in all the time. Dr. Park, she want to be the man. She want to be the man. She thinks she the man. And what has happened is in those relationships, the guy is not either working, he's lost his job, or he's not making enough for the family in her opinion. So since I work and I make more than you, now I kind of run things. Mm, This is what I see. Independent. There's nothing wrong with independent. There's nothing wrong with being the CEO of a company if you're a woman. The issue is, is you cannot forget your role. Because we as men have a role to play as well. And if we don't play our role, what's going to be the first thing you hear? Oh, that's sorry, dude, man. He ain't good for nothing. He don't take care of his family. He's just laying around the house or whatever. But when a woman forgets her role or neglects her role, you hear, well, she's a career woman. She's out working. She's a, what? So she's a pass and we don't? See, we've gotten away from the original design. Don't get me wrong. I don't have a problem with women working. My wife works. She works from home. Hey, she can be CEO if she wants. But you know what? She still has a role in this household just like I do. You cannot forget that because you're trying to be the CEO or whatever. Mm. See, it was the original design. And we've gotten away from that, which there's nothing wrong with as long as people don't forget their role. And so when clients come to see me or guys are in class, that's what has happened. Folks have forgotten their role. Men stop holding doors open. They stop laying down their coat for the woman can jump over the puddle. They start, you know, telling dirty jokes on the job. It's like, well, if you want to be, you know, part of us, this is what we do. A good example of that is the movie North Country with Charlize Theron. If you hadn't seen that, check that out. And it's about these women, I think, in North Dakota, South Dakota. And she wanted to work in the plant, you know, to, sur- to survive uh, and, and help. Uh, she was a single parent. Yeah. It's a sick parent from you know, a rape, but nobody knew she was raped until the end of the movie. They just thought she was this loose woman. So, you know, forgetting our roles, you know, here, here's the thing. You're a basketball fan. You're a basketball fan. You know, Kobe, Michael Jordan, whoever. They didn't get all of those rings. How do you think they got them? Because they had a team. It was a partnership. Everybody knew what? Their role. And some of the players, their role was just to sit on the bench and cheer people on. Their role was just to work the guys out, the starters, in practice. But they got a ring. And some of them have several rings. And guess what? You don't even know their names. Why? They play their role. If you don't play your role, if you don't play your role, what happens? You get scored on. You get a touchdown, you know, you get a, a somebody dunking on you, whatever. And then at that point, people are looking to do what? I think I need to renegotiate my contract. Mm-hmm. Know your role, play your position. That's independence, good. Independence does not for anyone. See, men and women view independence differently. Now, you guys tell me if I'm right or wrong about this, if you feel. Women, when you ask a woman, because I've done this research, what does independence mean to you? An independent woman. 
oh, you know, that means I I got my own job. I got my own car. I got my own place, my own money. I don't have to ask anybody for anything. I go where I want, travel how I want or whatever. I don't need a man. Okay. So when a man sees an independent woman, he's like, oh, man, she's independent. Man, she has her own and she's working and she got a nice spot. Da, 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 da. A man views that as I want to put that with what I have going on so we can build this empire. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Yep. The woman's mindset is I got my own. I don't need you. Right. You know, I was doing this before you got here. A man views it as man. That means I don't really have to take care of her, take care of her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she's not going to be sorry. Right. She'll get out. She'll help me. She's going to be that help me that I need her to be. And we're going to put this together and build. Yep. What I was thinking when you were saying that, Doc, is that I feel like society has kind of made that our point of reference as it relates to relationships. I, I mean, I I agree with it. I, I think what uh, what you're saying, Oliver, is, is that society has set this up this way. Mm-hmm. That, you know, I can bring home the bacon fried up in a pan, you know, that whole thing. But see, a lot of people forget in that commercial, she said, and never let you forget you a man. Right. <laughs> but what we've got to is, you know, I can bring home the bacon. I can do this. I can do that. But the role has been, you know, forgotten. And it's 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 a design. It's designed. It's actually designed that way. Believe it or not, it's actually designed that way to tear down the fabric of, to tear down the structure of the home, get parents out working so they forget about what's happening at home and so we can push anything on you that we want because we have you so tied up and in, in, in keeping up with you know uh, all the new uh, electronics that come out and the new cars and you know the houses and everything it's designed that way that's deep, that is deep. that's deep man I man for those of you who are listening I know that you have just this this wealth of information that just has been washed over you with with the the history lesson and just you know some of the things that uh, that Doc has talked about, we appreciate this information from you. This is enlightening for us. Uh, we are learning as well. Um, just in the in the uh, last few minutes that we have, I want to ask you if you could kind of bring this home for us and and just give us give give us some tips on how to maintain a healthy relationship. Now. We already passed the whole stigma in terms of counseling and that it's not necessarily that something's wrong with you. Obviously, there are people who go to counseling just to as a checkup and just kind of to make sure that they are still, you know, walking the path that they intend to walk. But for individuals who are trying to keep from getting to the crucial point, give us some some tips on on what you think are ways to uh, keep from getting to the crucial point. I think, um, first of all, you, you got to understand what, you know, causes uh, a lot of relationships to go bad. Now, we talked about, you know, independence, but the number one reason, you know, and it's just my opinion, and I'm probably right, uh, from what I see, is that um, the number one reason relationships go bad is because of selfishness. And what happens is you're trying to get your need met, your partner's trying to get her need met. And we're clashing in the middle. Think about it. Think about anybody you know who's divorced, separated, or can't, you know, find someone. It's selfishness. 
See, there's this piece of, you know, the, the, the three energy systems that, that make up um, personality, id, ego, superego. Okay, so let me focus on the id. The id is a part of the personality that never grows up, never matures. It's always about me, 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 thinks the world, you know, result, revolves around them. Okay, um, that's where your narcissistic personality comes from. Okay, that id, that, that it's always about, you know, getting needs met. It's, it's, it's seeking out pleasure and avoiding pain. When, when, when you were born, you were all id. You guys have children, right? Or child, right? Okay, that child born was all id. Now, what do I mean by that? Your child did not care what you had to do. Whenever they wanted something, they hollered for it. That's right. And you came running. I'm wet. Ah, come change me. Right. You know, I'm hungry. Ah, come feed me. I want you to come play with me. Ah, I want to sleep. I'm cranky. Walk me. Talk me. Run. We're all id when we come here. You have to teach unselfishness because we come here like that. You ever been somewhere, doctor's office, dentist's office, kids are playing with toys. They say, mine, mine. Mm-hmm. This belongs to the doctor, you know. But But kids come here with that. And some people never outgrow that, and they stay in that stage, and that's where that narcissistic personality comes from. Everything that's pleasurable to me, I'm going to do, but I'm going to avoid pain. So when you look at, you know, how do you avoid these situations, number one is you have to have a lot of validation, a lot of validation in your relationship. Now, what does valid mean? Valid means to make true, okay? Validates to make truth. And, you know, there's several, you know, levels of validation, but I just want to focus on a few of them. For instance, how do you validate your partner? Now, your partner comes home, they're struggling on the job, someone is trying to uh, sabotage them. It may be somebody new in the department, it could be a boss, whatever. However, things aren't the same you notice that things are not been the same at home. Your partner's getting home later, falling asleep at the computer. You're having to do the things that used to be shared. Now you're doing them all yourself. And so how do you validate that situation? Now notice, when I say validate, valid means to make true. I'm not saying make true the behavior. Because the behavior could be wrong. What we're validating is, their feelings about it. See, if women wanted us to fix things, they would give give us a wrench and say, hey, fix this. But what they want and what all people want is to be validated. I need you to understand where I'm coming from. And so in other words, this is how you validate. Come home. There's, you know, an, an argument about the brood. Now, everybody knows. You know, you know what sets your wife off and your wife knows what sets you off. Mm-hmm. So you try to, you try to avoid those things. Those are things I call situational cues, topics where there's likely to be a difference of opinion. Mm-hmm. And so you try to avoid those. If you don't avoid those, they lead to physical cues, which are those things that let you know you're going to get angry. Increased heart rate, sweating, gritting of teeth, pacing, wringing hands. Those are things you need to be careful of. 
Pay attention to your situational cues. But you validate by saying, you know what? I understand how you feel about this because. And state what you see. Hey, babe, you know, I noticed, you know, you've been coming home a little bit later and you don't think, well, I, my boss is just always on me. And, you know, I, you don't understand. I got this new project that, that I got to work on. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I see that. I understand that. I can tell that's difficult for you because you're, you know, whatever. And you label what it is you see. Okay. You see what I'm saying? But that's got to be painful for you because I've noticed you've been falling asleep at the computer, coming in a little bit late. You follow me on this? That's You're good. outdating and understanding how they feel. And so then you work to get them to work on the issue. You don't you you can't fix it, but you can help them. And so what you say is, so what have you tried? What do you mean what have I tried? I've tried to do everything, you know. Okay, but what have you tried? Well, I did this, I did this. Well, I really, what I really want to do is punch them in the mouth. Okay, that's an option. May not be a good one, but what else can you do? And what you do is you keep asking, what else can you do till you find a solution to the problem? Okay. Does that make sense? That makes sense. That's good stuff. Or you say, or there's something, you know, like where, you know, where you're always, you know, forgetting to take out the trash. You know, you had a Super Bowl party here, and I, I told you, take it out, you know, before you leave. And you walked out of here, and I came home, and the, and the house was just smelling like, you know, trash. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you validate that? You know what, babe? You're right. I understand where you're coming from because I smell it too. And all the while, you're putting the trash together to get it outside. Right. There's no need for argument. Well, you know what? You could have took it out. What are you standing there for? You got it on before me. Wow. That's no, validate. I understand how you feel. And yeah, if all good. spells argue naked, <laughs> trust me, you yeah. argue naked, you won't be arguing you won't for be arguing for long. That's right. You got that right. <laughs> you be arguing for long. You I, know, I think like, I want to start an argument just <laughs> because. <laughs> are you taking off your shirt while we arguing? I just get prepared for this argument. Hey, that's what's up. You know, it changes. Like it, it, it shifts things. Argue naked, you know. But I, I, I think that valid. A lot of people don't validate in their relationships when there's an an argument that gets started. You know, people just start right in. And so you're like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You ever you ever seen somebody very, really angry, upset about something? You say, okay, so tell me what's what you're really upset about. Right. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you're really upset it because it, it's not this. Right. What's really going on? You know, and a lot of people won't ask those questions. Of course, a lot of people aren't therapists, but I'm trying to help folks have better relationships. And the main thing is definitely validating each other, mm -hmm. you know. To make true, I'm, what am I making true? I'm making true your feelings about it. I'm not saying your behavior is right, because it could be dead wrong. But you say, you know what? I understand that's painful for you. That's good, man. Tell me what, tell me, tell me, tell me what have you tried to do? How do you plan to rectify this? I don't know. I just need, okay, well, what have you tried? Because a lot of times they haven't tried anything. And so now you're helping them problem solve. Right. To get to the answer, but you're not fixing it. That's, That's good. good.
That is excellent, excellent uh, information, and that is a great tip. Validate for those of you who are listening. Begin to practice that. Begin to put that into practice. Begin to validate your spouse. Uh, and, you know, my favorite, if all else fails, are you naked? naked. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be doing some arguing tonight. Oh, That's what's up. Listen, Doc, we, we, uh, we're going to have to have you on again because we can actually listen to you speak on this forever, you know, so we're going to ha- definitely have to schedule another one. We appreciate you taking out time from your busy schedule to dialogue with us um, in this Candid Conversations episode. And um, we're just, we're just grateful, man. Thank you for, thank you for taking out the time to be with us. Hey, I enjoy being here with you too. Um, I think it was awesome. I'd love to do it again. Um, I'd even love to, you know, come, come to where you are. Hey, come we to would your- love that. Something. We would love that. Listen, before uh, we let you go, just real quick, tell, uh, tell the listeners uh, how they can uh, connect with you if need be, or uh, any projects that you have coming up that you uh, want to make everybody aware. Okay. Well, uh, what we have going on right now, uh, everybody I think remembers the um, Talika Patrick incident. Young lady, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, lost her life. And what uh, a few of uh, us in the mental health field in the Adventist Church uh, are doing is trying to put together a consortium where um, we focus and talk about the things that we normally don't talk about. And we're trying to come up with um, a program where actually um, we actually thought about it, you know, years ago when this happened, somehow the ball got dropped on it and we're picking it up again. We'll be meeting next month um, on the 17th or the, the 25th. And what we're going to do is pull together um, a program where the folks who are on this uh, committee, uh, you can go into the uh, the site and you can see who it is, you you know, you want to come and speak at your church or your program or, you know, whatever it is, and look at what it is that their their area of expertise is, and you can click on that and actually build your seminar. So that's what we're doing, you know, for, for churches and, and whatnot. We were actually supposed to be, you know, presenting or had a booth at uh, GC this um, this year, but like I said, the ball got dropped, and uh, unfortunately that didn't happen, but we're still, you know, uh, going to do it because there are a lot of issues that we don't discuss, uh, as, uh, black folks, as, as, as church folks, uh, and, uh, as women or men, and we keep a lot of things hidden. So, um, I think it's going to be an awesome, um, undertaking. I think it's going to be, you know, even more awesome when we get it together. Uh, folks will be able to, you know, like I said, go on there and uh, actually build their seminar. And based on, you know, who they click on or whatever, those folks will show up to their venue and present for them uh, or present to them. That's one of the things that we're working on. Uh, I am based out of the Atlanta area. Um, you can go to, um, if you want to email me at A-N-A-F-Vip, that's a N A F as in Frank, V as in Victor, I as in Igloo, P as in Paul, uh, at bellsouth.net, or you can go to my 
website, which is anafvip.org or com. Uh, you can leave comments, uh, email on me there, or you can call me uh, at 404-551-5571, where you can, um, at extension one, where you can uh, reach me. Or if you want to fax anything, it's 404-551-5574. And that's all my contacts. Excellent, excellent. We will make sure that we also... Um have that available uh, for our listeners as well. Once again, Dr. Parks, my friend, we thank you so much for being with thank us. You. Uh, thank you. We pray God's blessings over uh, your career and, and over your endeavors, uh, that everything that you uh, touch will turn to gold, so to speak, and that individuals will be blessed. Individuals helped. Hey, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. No problem. Listen, until next time, this is Candid Conversations. I'm Oliver. And I'm Denise. God bless. God bless.